Welcome to the Sincerely Students Podcast, Episode 1, where I, Riley Morris, will interview Alyssa Wells and Ben Schrimmel on their biggest challenges with anxiety, how they deal with it, self-advocacy, and then their advice for students that also have anxiety like them. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Uh, The first question is, what would you say are your biggest challenges with anxiety? So, the biggest thing for me is, like, being able to speak up about it because I have always been, like, the strong one in my family, I guess. Like, not the singular one, but I'm kind of the one that, like, my sister goes to for things. And even my parents, like, I'm their outlet for pretty much everything. So, when I have an issue, I don't really know who to go to. And I don't want to speak out about it and then them see me as kind of weak and that they can't talk to me about things anymore because I like to be the one that they talk to. Yeah. So, I yeah, mine's just more speaking out about it. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I, I kind of have, like, a similar thing where, like, it's not it's not like I have to be the strong one. It's it's more or less, like, the, the thought of, like, bothering someone. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, going up to someone and being like, yeah, so could we talk? And then, like, feeling like, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm going to bother them. They're going to be annoyed by me coming up and talking to them, which in many senses is not true. But so many people, especially with anxiety, often think that. Now I'm just ignoring you and I'm building off of Ben because I was going to mention it later, but my biggest anxiety right now, it has been for like two years, my biggest anxiety is that people don't really care about me and they're just kind of... Like faking it? Who would be your go-to person? (laughs) Like, who's, like, your dad, your mom, your sister? Who's Go-to for what? To talk, just to talk, you know what I mean? Adam, it could be... When I am upset, I always try to go to Adam or my friend Hayden because... But the issue is, this is where the paradox lies. My anxiety is always about whoever I want to talk to. Right. Because I'm always worried that I am talking to them too much. I have too much anxiety. I'm starting to, like, they're getting annoyed with me. It's becoming too repetitive. And I just feel like they are getting annoyed. Have you? Do you know anybody else who has anxiety who has that same, like, problem of trying to find people to talk to, but they just get in their own head about it? The like, only people that I really talk to about my anxiety, like, I'll mention, like, in class, I'll be like, I can't do this, I have anxiety Right. But, like, I'm joking at that point. The only t- the only people that I really talk to about it are my mom, my boyfriend, and Hayden, my best friend. But that's the issue is, like, I'm always anxious about them, so then I, like, can't talk to them, and then I just get into this whole bundle in myself, and right. I have no, like, outlet, and it just... It, it gets really bad. So is there anything that you have found that, like, helps ease that in any way? Or I cry. I cry a lot when it gets like that. When I'm anxious about the person that I want to talk to, then I have nobody to go to, and I end up crying a lot. <laughs> right. D- does Do you find that helps, or is that more of, um, like, a, just a, like a, a reaction to the situation? I would say that it's definitely a release, but mm-hmm. it's temporary right? because the anxiety will come back Yeah, and it's just temporary, but it helps in the moment. Yeah. Help, help me understand this for a second, because there's been a lot of different things said about anxiety, how it's, you know, there's like episode, it's episodic in a sense that, um, you know, you, you'll have panic attacks every now and then, but for like 
I know for some people that I was friends with before, they've had like constant anxiety. So if it's if it's something coming up in the future, like a presentation or something, they'll always be nervous and always thinking about it. Do you ever find that episodic point of okay, it'll just come because it triggers, and then or do you do you find it a constant thing? Um, I know you were saying that it, it has to do with like you talking to people, right? So mm-hmm. would it be when you think about talking to that person, does it hit you or is it more of like as you're talking to them, right? And then do you worry about that? I worry about everything. Right. See, I can like, I can talk to people. The biggest thing is like when I think that they don't want to talk to me, I would say that mine is more of a constant thing because I'm not trying to do anything about it because I always have like, a reason not to and I need to get over that but I always have a reason not to do something about it mm-hmm. when it's about like projects like last year sophomore year like the reason I'm at Butler Tech a big reason is because sophomore year I was having panic attacks every night or not panic attacks but I was having anxiety every night yeah and because of the workload and the homework because it wasn't that I had too much. It was that in the beginning of the year, I just really slacked off and I spent that entire year trying to catch up and I never Mm -hmm. did. And I was just having anxiety all year and it was awful and I was crying. And eventually I was just like, because my sister saw a therapist after my parents divorce, but the divorce never really hit me because I was the one who kind of stepped into that second parent role. So I never got to be sad about it. Do you think think that adds to your anxiety? Oh, completely. Do Um, you think that is a source of it? So it started when I was in elementary school, and Mm -hmm. I was always top of my class. They put me in the gifted program. I was always advanced. I was always ahead of everybody else. Right. And... I don't think it was the intention. It definitely wasn't the intention, but I felt a lot of pressure from my parents to stay that way and stay on top of everybody else and always have to be the best and has to be perfect and I have to get good grades and everything. It definitely continued through middle school and now high school. I can't relax when it comes to schoolwork. I have to be the best. I have to have full credit. I have to do everything perfect, especially since I spent sophomore year really trying to catch up and it really set me back. Mm -hmm. So I've been spending junior year trying to build up as much as I can get that back, especially in my parents' divorce right before freshman year. It was a long process. It wasn't like one day they decided not to be married anymore. It was like, well, they just started like growing apart. And then slowly my dad was sleeping in my sister's room because we didn't have enough money for another place. He went to an extended stay hotel for like three months and then came back because we couldn't afford it anymore. And then he was in my sister's room for months and then... They finally decided to get divorced. Even before they did, I had already kind of been the outlet for both parents. They were both telling me their sides of the story without knowing that the other one was. And just talking to me because all their friends were couple friends. Right. And so I was the go-to for both of them. So I'd become a parent to my sister 
And it wasn't on purpose. I don't really blame either of them. It's just that they had both, even when, like, we moved out of my old house because it was too big and neither of them could afford it on their own, I moved into two smaller houses and both of my parents had lived with another parent for 17 years. So, naturally, the eldest daughter, I became the second parent. I keeping the house clean. I was getting my sister up on time, making sure she had everything she needed. I was her ride. I just really had all this responsibility that I shouldn't have. And that has loosened up a lot on my mom's side. It's been two years and it's gotten a lot better with Mm -hmm. my mom. Um, My dad does still treat me like a second parent, but it, it has been getting better recently. But That's where a lot of the anxiety comes from is because I have a lot of responsibility that I do put on myself, but there's so much going on and I feel like if I mess one thing up, the whole thing's going to shatter. Right. It's becoming, it's becoming apparent at like 14, 15, right? Yeah. And that's not easy. So like I finally, after the divorce, my sister started seeing a therapist because she was having a lot of anger issues and she had been doing that for months and they offered it to me when she first began and I was like no I don't need it like I'm fine right and then last year when I was having breakdowns every night I was like okay I need to talk to somebody so what is something that you would like um normal people like myself to understand about anxiety so it doesn't always have a clear trigger like even though I do have a lot of reasons to be anxious There are a lot of times when there's nothing going on. There's nothing I'm worried about. Like, I'm not upset. I'm not worried that somebody doesn't want to talk to me. I'm just anxious. And I just get this, like, I I don't know, shaky feeling. Like, my stomach is all, like, jittery. Would you say it's like a panic attack? Or do you experience experience panic attacks in any way? Because you said that it's, like, in in some ways it's it's rooted in your parents' divorce, right? Mm -hmm. And you having to become another parent and help, like, mother your sister in a way and clean up the house and such things and i guess would the anxiety be of you not wanting to go home or would it be more of okay if i don't do this when i get home everything's gonna fall apart and then and then to add on to that question would it be more would it it would be like you'd be you'd feel that all during the day or would it be like right before you go home or like when you get Mm -hmm. on the bus or got in your car would it be like oh Okay, I do want to make this clear. I've never, like, avoided my home. Like, I right. still feel very comfortable there. Um, yeah, of course. It was never, like, I didn't want to go home. I was dreading it. Like, I just accepted it. Like, I didn't realize that it was something that I shouldn't have on me. I thought it was just kind of expected. Okay. So, I, I, I was never dreading going home. I, I still am close with my family. Like, it just was another thing that was added. That nobody really saw because yeah. it was just so natural. Right. But you didn't think there was anything yeah, wrong I, with it? I didn't think about it until I started talking to my therapist and she was like, wait a minute, Alyssa. Yeah. I have had one panic attack ever. I, I And we're still like, we're pretty sure it was a panic attack. My freshman year, there was no trigger. There was nothing that happened that was clear. It was freshman year, we were getting ready for history class. Like, it was a bell change. I was sitting there waiting for it to happen, or waiting for the bell to ring, and, like, I was talking to my friend, 
I remember I was really anxious. I didn't know it at the time, though. Like, I didn't know I had anxiety yet. I just found out I, like, had official anxiety, like, three months ago. Right. My freshman year when this happened, I was just really stressed and I didn't know why. And I was like, I had a presentation that day, but I wasn't worried about it at all. Like, I was very prepared. And I don't really get nervous for presentations because I am an extrovert, like, even with my anxiety. So I, like, I'm pretty good at presentations. And I, I was just really, really anxious. And my heart was beating really fast. And I remember I tried to talk to a few of my friends and, like, try to calm it down and nothing was working. And then... I didn't have an Apple Watch at the time, and my friend who did came over, put the Apple Watch on my wrist to track my heartbeat. She had me sit down, try to slow it. It was getting up to, like, 114 beats per minute beats per minute as I was sitting down. Yeah. So Not even, like, walking around no, or being active No, and, like, class hadn't even started yet, and, like, wow, it was bad. And then they called the nurse, the history teacher. They got his attention. He called the nurse up. She brought a wheelchair. I didn't want to ride in a wheelchair, though. I was embarrassed, so I I walked next to it down to the nurse's office. But by the time that we got down there, it had subsided. So we couldn't really diagnose what it was. So I don't officially know that it was a panic attack. It just makes sense with what I know now. Right. My heart rate was at, like, 114 sitting down, and there was nothing going on. And... I have a friend who is very, like, prone to panic attacks. And I guess I never really understood his anxiety to an extreme amount. But when he would have panic attacks, it would it would be presentations like that. Mm-hmm. But he would lose, like, his sight. Oh, gosh. And, like, his heart rate would be high. Yeah. But he would lose sight and he would just, he would kind of just be out of it. Would Have you ever experienced anything like that? Or has that one situation just been your only So that's been my closest thing to a panic attack. Mm -hmm. I just get a lot of constant anxiety. So it's like elongated episodes, almost like day long Mm -hmm. or or hours. Yeah. Like the other day I was having a lot of anxiety. (sighs) I remember my boyfriend asking what was wrong in the morning. And I was like, nothing. Because it was about like him not wanting to talk to me, but I didn't want to talk to him about it because I was worried about it. Right. Um. And I said, nothing was wrong. And he goes, no, that's your anxiety hoodie. And I was like, oh, crap. I didn't even know that. But, like, he's right. Like, this kid knows me better than I know myself. Right. And, like, the deadlines get to me because sophomore year was so hard with schoolwork and deadlines and that kind of thing. So coming to Butler Tech, the workload's a lot less, which I love. And I'm doing what I love, which is a lot better. It doesn't feel like work at that point, right? Yeah. Because it, it just feels like fun. The only the deadlines, they scare the crap out of me. Like, <laughs> when Mr. Yerrigan is counting down the seconds, right? I have to have it in at least 10 minutes before the end of class, Yeah. or I will have a panic attack. I will sacrifice, like, requirements in the project because I will have a panic attack if I don't have it in at least five, ten minutes before. Do you ever discourage yourself for, for doing that? Because you know this is going to happen, you're going to lack in this. Do you ever, like, discourage yourself for, like, oh, I didn't edit audio this way or I didn't do this that way? Do you ever, like, beat yourself down for that, too? Um, I always know that I'm doing the best I can with the time that I have. 
Like, I've been really good. I've gotten a lot better at it. It was mm-hmm. really bad in the beginning of the year. It was it was really bad because I hadn't figured out, like, the sweet spot to turn it in and that kind of stuff. Right. That's why when we start projects, I, I always go into it sprinting because I'd rather be, like, sprinting in the beginning and then slowing down at the end than starting all leisurely and then sprinting at the end because that just stresses me out. Right. Like a reverse procrastinism. Yeah. So I always go into it really sprinting, um, and I don't really... Like, when I'm on my phone, it's, like, very quick, and I just, I don't take a lot of breaks until I know that I'm going to have surplus of time. Yeah. That's, that's similar to me. So, like, when I'm doing, a like, a class project or something, or, mm-hmm. like, even when I'm, like, doing homework, like, my friends will be, like, staying up to, like, 11.59 doing the homework and mm-hmm. just do it 12, and, like, I'll be getting it done at, like, 8 o'clock, like, at night. I had my FDE assignments done by Tuesday. Yeah. I haven't and, done them yet. And I, I, I do all that... <laughs> I do all that like on on purpose because I can I can like I know that like if I don't have it done before a certain period of time, mm-hmm. and I think that's interesting how like people who have anxiety, mm-hmm. especially from like what I've noticed is like people who kind of suffer with that issue is like they oftentimes will come. I think it's because we learned how to deal with it. Yeah, and we like figured out the ways to avoid this because it like it sucks yeah. when it's happening. So we have found ways to avoid it. Yeah. Would you say that avoiding it kind of feeds it in some ways? In some ways. So sense, being yeah. worried that it's going to happen in some ways causes you to have anxiety about it. So if say I didn't execute, then I would agree with that, but I am very good about do you think executing. there are, Do you think there are people who do that though? Yeah. Who have your situation, but instead oh, of being Oh, absolutely. This is just my case. Like if I didn't, if I had this plan in place and then for some reason I like didn't follow through and then I was like, oh, I had the plan. It would have been fine if I'd stick to the plan, but yeah. I didn't stick to the plan and then that's all me. And then, nah, 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 nah. yeah, that's why I execute. Okay. I like, I don't, I, my room has to stay clean. Yeah. I clean my room every night because I will get overwhelmed if it's messy. Every time I do laundry, I do laundry once a week, sometimes twice a week, but, or sometimes every two weeks, but I don't get my laundry out of the dryer until I am ready to put it away because I can't have it sitting in a bin because I I won't do it if I don't do it right away. Right. So, like, I just, I have found that I don't get accommodations in school. I guess these would be my accommodations. Like, just ways that I I have dealt with it and I have learned to deal with it. Some people, especially, I don't know, like, I'm just speaking from, like, my experience, but, like, I've kind of had, like, a little bit higher of an anxiety than some others. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll carry around, like, a fidget toy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys, like, ever, like, have... Or I know a lot of people with anxiety have fidgets. And so I kind of, like... I have this ball that I carry around. And I, like, mm-hmm. bounce it and stuff. And I, like, kind of, like, squish it, I guess, when I get anxious. And I feel that really helps a lot. Like, when I have um, those issues... Especially, like, when I'm anxious about something, I'll usually take my ball out of my bag and I'll kind of just, like, sit there and bounce it. And so... Yeah, I feel like that's kind of, like, something that people used to cope. I have to be doing something. Like, yeah. if I'm distracted, I'm fine. So I was actually in this big fight with my friend. Um, It wasn't, like, a big fight, but, like, we weren't talking for that period of time. And since it was, like, before I had my boyfriend, who is now my support, I didn't have really an outlet because the kid I was fighting with was my outlet and I had COVID. So I had to stay home right? and I could not distract myself. And it was so difficult. I was 
I found a new show. That's how I got through it. Is I found I started watching Modern Family, and I was doing a season a day of that quarantine. Oh wow! Like I had to stay distracted, or I would have a meltdown. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely something like that. I remember like especially during like the big quarantine where like. During, um, mm-hmm. like, that period, because I was in my freshman March year. March 2020? Yeah, I remember yeah, March 2020. Like three months of just quarantine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I had, I had started dating someone about two weeks after quarantine had begun, and it was kind of like, wow. it was... it was You didn't get to really establish the relationship? Yeah, it was interesting, like, after when summer came around and, like, everyone was kind of, like, going back out, mm-hmm. we didn't really, like, do anything. And, like, I, I've, I had to keep myself busy. Yeah. At the time, because my anxiety, I had never really, like, learned what my anxiety was. Because for so long, my family had kind of, like, pushed it off to the wayside and kind of had been, like, um, there's no reason to to focus on this. This is something that's, it's not normal. My mom would oftentimes, like, during therapy sessions would get on the phone with the therapist. And she would, like, be like, why is my son feeling this way? Why does he feel this way? And my therapist would be like, it's just normal, but my mom would act like it's not. And so I would, for so long, until I was probably about um, 16, I would start going to a therapist at my school. And it was then when I kind of realized that this is a part of my identity. Anxiety is a part of who I am. And there's no reason to be sad about it. But I feel like, I think that's interesting how like, um, um, during quarantine especially, it was hard for me to be distracted. I kind of got off tangent there, but it was like, um, it's, it's hard to be, especially when you have anxiety, it's hard to like keep yourself distracted. So would you say for anxiety, it would be more of the only thing you're focusing on is what you're, what you have anxiety about? Or would it be like the mind jumping around thing? Um, yeah, I'd say it's, it's kind of a thing where when I have like one thing that is a trigger, Mm -hmm. everything I do will relate back to that. I will find a way to think about it no matter how much I distract myself. Oh, okay. See, like, I'm a, I'm a double take because I'm actually, I have ADD and I have anxiety. So it's kind of like, out. cancels each other out in a sense where it's kind of like, I can't. Is a, what is ADD? What so is ADD? ADD? Is ADD it like is not similar caring? to ADHD. It's like, um, it's, you, you still have trouble focusing on things, but you don't, you're not hyper as much. Okay. So it's kind of like, um, you have hyper spurts in a sense, but right. yeah, this isn't, I know you do. Yeah, this isn't the ADD podcast. So we'll, we'll talk about that right. in another episode. But um, the, basically, it's hard to, for me especially, it's hard to focus on one thing because then you feel like, oh, well, I need to be doing this. So my anxiety is kind of like telling me, okay, go do this, and then my ADD is like, okay, well, while you're doing this, think about the other thing you're gonna have to go do after it, mm. and and so it's kind of just like you have a plan for the entire day and especially if that plan doesn't really like work out it kind of like hits a lot harder for people like me i guess because it's just like dang i didn't really do anything all day yeah i can't like days at home are rare for me i am always out doing something and if i'm at home i'm doing laundry i am getting work in i always have something going on like my friends usually pay for gas like weekly or like um, like every two weeks, I'm paying. I do for it gas. like every three days. Yeah, I'm paying for gas like every five days. Yeah, because I'm like constantly driving, constantly going everywhere, mm-hmm. and that's why it's just like it's it's crazy. You know, you just have to keep yourself like focused on a certain thing. Yeah, 
All right. Moving along to our next topic. What does t- what does the term self advocacy mean to you? Um, speaking up about your uh, what you need. Um, yeah, speaking up about what you need and talking to who you need to talk to to get it. Mm-hmm. Telling people like how you feel, you know, about like certain things. So like things that trigger you, or like people that trigger you. You know what I mean? So like kind of like going around not going around but like but like telling your closest people in your life like your family your mom your dad um you know whoever parent or guardian lives with you um or just whoever lives with you in general um just like things that may bother you things that may hurt you um and i feel like that's the best way to do self-advocacy is kind of just like throw yourself out there because Mm -hmm. especially with people with anxiety it's hard to do that um, because you're constantly scared of, like, you're going to bother someone or, like, someone's going to be annoyed by it. And that's the biggest thing. I'm always worried I'm bothering somebody. Yeah. And so it's it's so important that you have to know that self-advocacy is one of the most important and most helpful things that you can do with some for someone with anxiety. Is like, putting yourself out there may seem difficult. It may seem like a bad idea. But trust me, I've been through that. It is always worth it in the long run every time so what are some perceptions in self-advocacy for students in education so some perceptions i've seen at least is kind of like teachers um are becoming a lot better at least from what i've seen uh, or what i've been around teachers have been a lot better at kind of understanding student self-advocacy because like it's not the 1920s or 30s anymore where they take a paddle, you know, if you right. <laughs> start drawing on the desk and they, you know, hit you with it or whatever. Right. It's, it's like, if you don't feel good, if you don't, if your mind isn't straight or like sometimes if you're having a panic attack during class, which I've had several before, you can go tell the teacher that you're not feeling well, you go out into the hallway. But I think it's interesting how many students kind of look down upon it in a sense where they're kind of like, oh, that kid's sitting out in the hallway. He must be crazy. Yeah, or weird or yeah, something. That's right? what I was going to say about how a lot of people, I think, underestimate anxiety and how much of a real thing it is. They think that we're just nervous or worried when it's so much more than that. And so it's hard to speak out, at least for me, because if I'm talking to a person who doesn't have anxiety they think that I'm over-exaggerating. They think that I'm whining and that I'm weak and that I can't do what others can. Like, they think that I'm just nervous and that we're going through the same thing and that I just can't deal with it. Yeah, it's just coming from, like, a standpoint of ignorance in a way. But, like, for me, it's hard for me to understand. Yeah. Um, Well, that's what this is for. Though I don't try to... I don't try and, like, discredit it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just don't understand. Like, in in, cer- in certain ways, I just don't understand it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, well, it's just hard for it, me to comprehend you, you why. You can't understand. Like, yeah. that's, that's right. what this is for. Like, we're trying to help people. We're trying to show people who have this that they're not alone, that other people go through this. But we're also talking to the people that don't have this and telling them what it's like and... 
like they're throwing them yeah. through like an every everyday situation. You know, like how yeah. it's like. like this is a bigger problem than you think. Like we're always so dealing with this, no matter if we're showing it or not. Like this is always a thing. Yeah. So if you were to speak to uh, say everybody in digital media or just your closest friends, uh, which you have, or um, not really your closest friends, but everybody in our friend group. What would, about your accommodations, what would your interactions look like once they received those? From my experience, in a sense, um, when I'm self-advocating for myself when I'm around my peers, sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's, like, kind of, like, it feels it feels weird. It's, it's kind of, like, a thing of, like, yeah, I'm kind of sensitive to these kind of situations. And, like, especially for a guy to, like, tell that to another person, I don't know about, like, I'm, I'm not, a, obviously, I'm not a female but as a male, um, males are kind of pushed towards more of like, don't think about these feelings. They're not worth it. That you don't need to feel them. And so when someone like me comes up and like tells someone, especially someone close to me, that something's mm-hmm. bothering me, it's it's difficult to kind of like say that. So coming from a guy's standpoint, especially with me, when I have a problem with someone or something like that, I'm very non-confrontational about it. And so what I'll find is, like, even when I talk to someone about a problem that I have with someone else, um, I kind of relate to you, Alyssa, in a way that, like, I feel like they don't want to talk or that they might be annoyed by it. So a lot of times I'll just kind of store it in and not really talk about it. Um, So I guess my question is, do you feel like when you store it in, it, like... (sighs) It begins to build up. Is that right. What you're asking like, yeah. It, would it, build it up? would it build up because now you're adding more stuff onto the equation? So now, okay, I don't want to talk to this person, so I'm just not going to talk to him. It, just thinking about that, I just won't talk to him, right? And then, okay, there's another person that I need to talk to, or there's this work I need to get done. Would it be like you feel the anxiety of both, or is it like a yeah, it, is like, it kind it of like a centric fo- focus? No, it absolutely will build, and okay. then I get like frozen. That was my biggest mm-hmm. thing is. When I couldn't do my work, it wasn't because I couldn't do it. It was because I would get so much anxiety to where I couldn't do anything and I was just frozen. That's how my mom described it. Like, I just, I can't do it. And it sounds like I just don't want to, Mm -hmm. but it was like a thing where, like, I could not sit down and do it. So what would be some, like accommodations that like say Mr. Jurgen could make or um, us as friends could make that would help ease your anxiety if any the biggest thing for me is just to be patient when I am anxious about somebody not wanting to talk to me it's because it's not the first time that I've been anxious about it like it's kind of a paradox but I am always worried that somebody that it's the biggest thing is that it's being too repetitive if I because this anxiety just comes back and comes back it's Mm -hmm. probably not going to go away anytime soon and it's just going to keep happening and so it's hard to I need to keep letting it out or otherwise it'll just build up and become one huge thing where I try to just let it out as soon as possible are there any a- accommodations of. we can make? I don't know. Just just be patient. Like, if I'm quiet, like, I when I am upset, I 
like if I'm like fake upset, I'll be vocal about it and I'll be like talking and like fake crying and crap like that. Like I'm not actually upset when I'm doing You're that a good stuff. Actor. Something <laughs> like that. But when I am actually upset, I go silent. Like I stop talking. I mm-hmm. shut down. Um so it just kind of depends on the situation, um, if I want to be talked to or not. I would very much like if somebody was just like, hey, do you want to talk? And then if I say yes or no, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just ask me once. And I think that's like what a lot of people have situa- or difficulties with, like who don't have anxiety and they talk. What to like, do. Yeah. So like they'll be like, you want to talk about it? And then somebody will say like, no. And then like some for some people. Like, Are you sure? Yeah, the, the, and they'll no, just like ask me once. Ask and not just that, but kind of just being like, um, like they'll continue to ask you throughout the day, mm-hmm. like if everything's okay. Especially my mom will do that a lot. Or like, okay, so I actually I'm gonna take back what I just said. I, it's okay if you ask me if I want to talk several times. Mm-hmm. Don't keep asking what's wrong. Yeah, that's the thing that yeah. annoys me. Like it, it'll be like, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Is everything okay? Is like, yeah, that's. I, like, if you want to talk... like you can, Yeah, you can ask me as many times as you want if I want to talk, just not, like, right in a row. Mm-hmm. Like, because one of the biggest things is usually when I'm like that, I'm thinking that nobody wants to talk to me. So if you continue to push and ask me to talk, I think I would enjoy that. I think I'd be like, thank you for making an effort. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, don't ask me what's wrong. I sh- I'll punch you <laughs> if you ask me what's wrong several times. I um, but yeah, I think, I think that's definitely like a problem. Is like, and sometimes like, especially in my case, I guess. So like, sometimes somebody will ask me like, what's wrong, and sometimes I won't answer. Sometimes I'll just be like, mm-hmm. nothing, and then just walk away, and they'll think like mm-hmm. I'm mad at them or something. Yeah, when really I'm just like, yeah. go away. I don't want this. Exactly. I need to be alone. And so then like. I, there's severed friendships that I've had where, like, mm-hmm. friendships that have kind of, like, lost touch because they're, they think that I don't like them or they think that mm-hmm. I hate them. Not because of, like, the fact that I'm, like, difficult to, like, mm-hmm. talk to. And sometimes you only want to talk to, like, a specific person. I think it's, I think that's, like, definitely something that, like, we need to say is people, winter... In my case, at least, winter and, like, late fall mm-hmm. is, like, the worst time to have anxiety yeah. because, number one, you can't go anywhere. You can't distract yourself with anything some, most times. So, like, bad weather, you're screwed, at least in my case. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you can't really talk to people because people don't want to stand outside and they don't want to talk because it's so cold or, or, you know, stuff like that. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's difficult. Uh, I think that's why they call it. What are they? I think they call it like winter. It's uh, seasonal anxiety. Seasonal, seasonal depression. Yeah, seasonal depression and but seasonal like for anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. See, my thing is, I don't shut off during the winter, but I definitely open up in the summer yeah. or like when it's warm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm shut off in the winter, but right. I would say that I absolutely just blossom. Yeah. In the it's, warm weather, it's just like a lot harder for me to like describe my feeling or just like even talk to mm-hmm. someone in the winter for some reason when i had covid you were the only voice i heard for 10 days that mm-hmm. wasn't my mom because i didn't talk to anybody that's crazy nobody you were the only one that called me wow and i don't blame you because we weren't really good friends then but if i get covid again and you don't call me i'm gonna be mad all right this is the last question what would be a good piece of advice 
that you could give to someone your age with anxiety or someone younger? It's normal. Like, even though it's not neurotypical, it's a common thing. And I don't even, like, always like to hear that because I want to be like, I am not, like, my situation is not like other people's. Like, everybody has it different. But everybody has the general same thing, which is, like, good and bad to hear because I like to hear that I'm special and I like to know that I have things that other people don't have. But you need to know that, like, you're not fully alone like other people are dealing with anxiety too some people have it better some people have it worse but it's it can still be bad for you like a huge thing is that I try to downplay my anxiety because I know that somebody has it worse but it can still be bad like Mm -hmm. you can drown in a foot or 12 feet of water you're still drowning right I think um what I would like to say is kind of just like um Never give up. Don't ever give up. You know, like when when I was younger, uh, I I gave up on a lot of things because I was like, um, I was so anxious about things. I wouldn't be able to go to swim practice because I would get so anxious about things. I wouldn't be able to go to band class because I would get so anxious about things. And I had to quit those things because I was having panic attacks before I would go. And I wouldn't even know what they are. I would just be like screaming and crying and I wouldn't know why. And, um, so that's when I was kind of just like, just, and if you have those issues, if you have those things, then maybe you do need to stop, but don't ever give up and think that your life is a mess because you can't get through something. One of my favorite things is like the best time to start was a year ago. The next best time is now. Exactly. Like, Like planting a tree, like. You, it would have been nice if you mm-hmm. planted it a few years ago and it's all grown now and you get to enjoy it, but the next best time is now so that in a few years you can be like, wow, I'm glad I did that. Like, exactly. That's one of my favorite things because especially when I get overwhelmed and I can't do something, I don't feel as bad about it later because I'm like, dang, I wish I would have done this already, but at least I'm doing it now. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's, for me, like, I've even had to, like, I had a, a, there was that girl that I dated during quarantine. I had to... At the end um, of quarantine, I ended up breaking up with her. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And it wasn't because of her. It wasn't because of her at all. And, like, people always say, it's not me. It's you, or it's not you, it's me. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, it was so hard because I was having such a hard time dealing with my emotions. And I just didn't want to drag it through with that people. So even in a sense of, like, keeping a relationship alive is, like, it's hard to do. But no matter how many people that you have to lose, no matter how many things that happen, you can't give up. And it's so hard for people to remember that because it's just like sometimes it feels like it's all going to fall apart. But in truth, as long as you stay true to who you are and you follow who you are and you don't apologize for everything that you do, then you are perfect the way you are. Well, great. How you're supposed to be. Thank you, Ben and Alyssa, for coming on. And um, my name is Riley Morris. I'm going to be the host for... Almost every episode. Every episode. Every episode. Um, this has been Sincerely Students. <laughs>